gentlemen seven o'clock on a saturday night and as usual that means it's time for the other podcast i'm your host robert stacy mccain and i'm not hello folks it's john hoag here the other guy on the other podcast and according to the indications i have here on the control panel we have diana from valdosta with us as well you do you do and if you hear drums in the background that's because uh the christmas parade is going on oh. well that's what you get for living on a main drag <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> um, if you hear noise in the background here it's because uh Stacy's brother is watching the Alabama Georgia game. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the uh, uh, we have the abbreviated version of the uh, college football scoreboard because the only game that matters is the SEC championship game, where Alabama currently leads Georgia thirty-one to seventeen. Oh, by the way, that's number one ranked Georgia, previously <laughs> undefeated. Um, and, and so, uh, if Alabama can hang on there, uh, they'll almost certainly, uh, go to the college playoffs. Uh, meanwhile, um, well, it really kind of is the SEC championship. Game yeah, well, well, anyways, yeah. Number four, Cincinnati, uh, is leading Houston in the fourth quarter, 35 to 20, uh, number five, Oklahoma state got upset by number eight, Baylor in the, uh, I guess that's, what conference is that? The Big 12? I don't know. Anyway, so in the, yeah, the Big 12 championship game, uh, Baylor upset Oklahoma State, and so Oklahoma State got knocked out of um, contention for the playoffs. Uh, At 8 o'clock tonight, Michigan kicks off against Iowa, for the Big Ten Championship, Michigan currently ranked number two after defeating Ohio State last week. And uh, and let's see, yeah, Uh-oh, I'm going to yeah, have to go the, deal with that, dogs. Oh, you now we this? have dogs barking. So, uh, for unres- un- unknown reasons, uh, uh, it's Marley. It's probably yeah. a really good reason. We just can't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better run, Marley. You better run. Anyways, but uh, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, I'm very excited. If you'll go over to spectator.org, you'll see my column uh, about the uh, uh, New England Patriots currently riding a six-game winning streak uh, and due for a Monday night matchup against uh, their AFC East rivals, the Buffalo Bills. Well, you know, I can't win for losing. I'm a Vanderbilt alum, 
and uh, <laughs> they I'm lost from, to and, Tennessee. You know, and I, yeah, and I'm from Nashville. So. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so but uh, you can find my good well, friend no, John but, Hogue's work at his blog hogwash.com. Meanwhile, uh, not only does uh, Stacy's work lurk about uh, the such places as spectator.org, we have uh, his own blog, The Other McCain, and you should try that out. But, you know, Stacy, uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. We, we were off for uh, two weeks, you know. Uh, yeah. We, we, yeah. We, did, we took Thanksgiving A lot off. of news has transpired but, uh, since and, but, then. And, and we're actually going to do only one thing from from the week we skipped and that's uh, actually the crazy person we're going to deal with at the end is from that but um mm. w- w- let's start off with um just i i i called the uh, this first segment failing the audition mm-hmm. and um basically i had a post up uh on the second called the second Buchanan administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've been hoping, or started out hoping that the Biden administration would be like Obama's third term. And it didn't <laughs> take long for me to then go, well, maybe it'll be Carter's second term. And now, really, Buchanan's second <clears throat> term is starting to look like uh, a good thing. I There was a, a Josh Rogan uh, had a a uh, 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 tweet that uh, linked to a Washington Post opinion piece. Uh, basically, uh, Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman uh, is has been saying that uh, the administration wants to slow down or water down or do away with the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. That is, uh, <laughs> That's slavery. Yes. Well, yes, it is slavery, yes. And, well, and, well, it turns out they managed to scotch it in the House later this uh, uh, the week from that. But what's interesting <laughs> is, you know, it's like talk about failing the audition and, and you know, not quite being – maybe uh, some of the gentle readers of my blog or – the listeners to this wonderful podcast will remember from their history class that it was the Democrats and the Buchanan administration that were uh, engaged in the protection of slavery. So, you know, yep. it's only it's only been 160 some odd years. Meanwhile, in terms of another flunk, uh, 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 basically, I had to uh, put my tongue in my cheek to deal with this. And I had a bonus quote of the day at the blog. Uh, <sighs> La science, c'est moi. C'est moi. Uh, I, I, I read that and I howled. Uh, Anthony Fauci. Apparently, yeah. if you attack him, you're attacking the very basis of science. Yeah, yeah. And this is this idea that he is the personification of science and that <sighs> anyone who criticizes him is therefore anti science. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though we have, you know, by his own admission, uh, much of the advice that he gave uh, that was being issued by the CDC and what all was not scientific. They knew these cloth masks don't work. They, they, they still they don't. Still, yeah, it's a, it's a fact. Okay, this well, actually, cloth- they, actually, the cloth masks do work. They, uh, and that's the reason why uh, they uh, started being worn by surgeons in the first place. They keep stuff that you might breathe out inside you to keep you from infecting other people, which is why well, 
I was stuck wearing a, one of those masks and wound up with a sinus infection because something got in just before I put it on. And I well, yes, on. but uh, here's the thing. Doctors change them uh, between each patient. Doctors mm. and nurses both change them between each patient. Doctors and nurses are rigidly trained to touch nothing outside of the sterile field while they are wearing those. Yes. And mm -hmm. um, and the whole idea of a bunch of randos wandering around with masks that they take off and put back on is utterly ludicrous. Well, yeah, we should I should never have been wearing masks. Well, no, I, I I wear masks as part of the work I do because we want to keep uh, mm -hmm. any kind of contamination off of the stuff we're getting ready uh, to work on, particularly immediately before we put what's called a conformal coating on it, which is protection. The last thing we want to do is have some some chemical there that we don't know what it is that might potentially be corrosive and, and then encapsulated <laughs> it in, in what we're building. So, okay, you know, that's bad. You know, we, we I, I have to take clean room training. OK, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know. Talk about flunking the audition. Uh, but but mm -hmm. wait a minute. I, I have an update for you. Oh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Georgia Ford? quarterback Stetson Bennett uh, threw an interception that was returned 42 yards for a touchdown by Alabama's Jordan Battle. So it's now 38. Alabama leads 38-17 over the previously top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. So well, yeah, I noticed that uh, when I first looked at, uh, at things uh, just before I, I got in the car to come over here this afternoon, game hadn't started, and it was like <laughs> two to one odds in favor of Georgia. And right now I'm looking at the odds, and it's <laughs> 19 to one in favor of Bama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about uh, 11 minutes left in the game, and, and uh, it looks like Alabama now leading by 21 points. They might be passing the Yes, and yes. That, and that's the subject of our uh, the next uh, little thing here. You did an interesting post about the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was inspired by a conversation I had with uh, Dave Reboy, and you know who Dave mm -hmm. Reboy is. He's a uh, uh, a foreign policy uh, expert. And uh, really, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> oh, he's an expert. Okay. Yeah. No, no. But he is. He's. Uh, he, he really he's is. A, he's a good guy. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is. He has been a consultant to the government of, of Hungary, uh, among other things. But uh, uh, but he he was kind of dissing the Beatles as being overrated. Oh. Yeah. And so oh. I was like, and so I did a post. Uh, uh, it's uh, near the top of my blog right now <laughs> over at the other McCain. It's called The Savage Young. And mm -hmm. it's illustrated with a picture of the Beatles during their Hamburg phase. When I, they were, before mm -hmm. we go much further, I just want to point out something. How old is David Reboy? He's Young. about 50. Yeah, he's in his late 40s, early 50s. Well, that's what I thought. That was what that's we were too old. Was. Wait, that's too old not to appreciate the Beatles. I mean, well, no, it's here, okay no, if you like the Stones better, but... Well, no, here, here's my point. Um, Lennon was the oldest member of the group. He turned 30 after they broke up. <laughs> what did you do uh, when you were 29? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, anyways, um... 
but it's it's a reminiscence. Uh, this post is a reminiscence about the the fact that that most people have no idea uh, what it was like. Uh, you know, younger people have no idea what it was like. In, That's in turning what, out to be most people, uh, Stacy. Yeah. Well, anyways, but, but I, I, I speak of the good old days of 45 RPM singles, AM Top 40 <laughs> Radio, and Ed Sullivan. Um, uh, there's a tendency of the, of the young to take for granted um, – the media environment we have now where, where mm-hmm. you know, you can over a hundred cable channels to choose from and everybody can watch whatever suits their own taste on YouTube and all like that. It did not used to be that way. Really? When the Beatles broke through, um, it was truly revolutionary uh, in terms of their sound and, 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 you know, there was a, a this idea when they, you know, when they first landed, you know, here in the United States and were at one point they had all five of the top five singles in the mm-hmm. in the U.S. charts. Um, and it, and there was this idea that it was some kind of fad that, you know, and, and they would ask them the you know, the uh, radio DJs, what what is it? that the girls are going crazy about. And they would say over and over again, it's the music. And um, people don't understand, as I said, how the quality of the Beatles music in 1963 Mm -hmm. slash 64, when they first broke through, was so far ahead of, of everything else on the radio in terms of mm-hmm. if you if you compare the sound the and you are a, a studio engineer yourself back in the day uh, but the sonic quality the way that uh, their producer George Martin recorded them uh, it it cut through is the is the best way I can say is that there was a mm-hmm. clarity to the instrumental track. Go ahead. Well, not only that, but look, these guys um, obviously were talented, but really, if you go back to sixty three, sixty four, sixty five, the only band that I can think of that would be competitive with them for innovation. Okay, not completely different style, doing something completely different, but the Beach Boys. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yes, the Beach Boys, uh, the Beach Boys, and, and there was, um, you know. And you I mean, think- but, but Little Deuce Coop is completely different from Love Me Do. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But wait, you know, um, the whole thing is, is that the Beatles had melody, uh, rhythm, melody, and sometimes harmony. Counterpoint didn't come into it. The Beach Boys actually have all four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ain't anyway, anyway. Well, but, okay. but the Beach Sorry. Boys have the Beach Boys also have formerly trained musicians, which very true. Which is not, you know, uh, you know I don't think any of uh, the Beatles went to a seminary. Uh, well, no, and as a them- matter of fact, you know, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, this idea that the Beatles were self-taught. Right. Okay. First sort of all, of. John Lennon sang in um, the church choir for years. Well, he so was, did he, I. That doesn't make me a trained musician. 
Okay. And um, well, it depends on the choir. Paul McCartney's father had led a jazz band back in the 30s and Mm -hmm. 40s. And so so he first learned to play trumpet and also Mm -hmm. knew how to play piano. And Mm -hmm. and if you you look at this, this, uh, a special that's just been with the the nine hours worth of stuff that Robert Jackson put together. You look at uh, uh, McCartney playing the piano, and, and you wonder why he bothered with the bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and he. I, I mean, the thing is, is that portability is this idea that they were just, um, uh, you know, basically uh, skilled amateurs. It's oh. just false, and and the. Um, uh, I make the point, uh, and it's a point that you will find in Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, that what the, the real crucible, what really made the difference uh, in, in the Beatles' career were, were their gigs in Hamburg, where mm-hmm. uh, they often had to play eight hours a night. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you try to think of what it was like to fill up eight hours a night. Well, I can tell you the kind <laughs> of musicians you get out of that. You get people who did the same thing on the Chitlin circuit, and you wind up with B.B. King and Ike Turner mm-hmm. and folks like that. Right, mm-hmm. right. And and so and, and they were playing, uh, and, and part of it, when you go back and study their Hamburg epic, uh, to put mm-hmm. it uh, that way, when you the the period where they were in Hamburg, part of the problem was there was of course a language gap. Okay, they mm-hmm. were in Hamburg, Germany, and and uh, the, the the audiences would yell "mock show, mock show," uh, you know, which means make a show, and they 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 were uh, they had to you know. Uh, to carry it across, their their performance on stage had to be um, uh, visually appealing, and so and so mm-hmm. they became better showmen uh, as a result of that. And uh, they also learned to to just drive the beat. Okay, this is you know mm-hmm. the name the Beatles. Okay, you know B E A T. It was all about the beat, and so. And so if you will go and look at, go to YouTube or whatever and see Mm -hmm. their live performances, right? When they were playing in crowds where the the screaming was so loud, it was like a a jet taking off. It was like a (laughs) passenger, a 747 or something taking off. And you see them, and, and I, in particular, I'm thinking of, uh, when they played at uh, RFK Stadium in Washington D.C., and if you watch them there, and and they do this boy. Now, if you are familiar with the Beatles' oeuvre, and you know the song "This Boy" is in three-part harmony, right? Mm-hmm. They were able to perform that note for note amid this, you know, and there were no, back then there were no monitor speakers on stage. They couldn't mm-hmm. even hear themselves and yet somehow managed to carry it off without missing a beat. And that tells you how tight they were as a unit. And, um, and, and so, um, you know, so it, 
I was part of the second wave of Beatlemania that came across in the 1970s when basically mm -hmm. we inherited our older brothers and sisters' albums. And there was a, a revival of interest in the, in the Beatles when I was a teenager, uh, mm -hmm. part of it driven by the release of an album called The Beatles Rock and Roll which uh, they went through their catalog and found not mm -hmm. necessarily the hits, but the most rock and roll songs that they had mm -hmm. done. And, and so, so in that sort of um, uh, nostalgia trip uh, of the seventies, we, you know, there was a rediscovery of the Beatles by people my age. And I'm now mm -hmm. 62. If that uh, gives you a hint, but uh, I, I share some memories of what it was like to be a young Beatles fan, uh, you know, in the years between when they broke up and John Lennon died. Uh, mm. but well, yeah, you know, I could uh, tell you some all kinds of interesting stories about uh, I, wor working with one of them. Uh, mm. I, Ringo Starr came to Nashville to do some oh, stuff. Oh, that's right. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you my favorite story that, sort of kind of is about the Beatles. When I was VP of engineering at JBL, uh, we were, had a really important uh, demo to do. And I wanted some fresh music to play to demonstrate mm -hmm. the uh, loudspeakers. So I went to Tower Records. Remember Tower Records? I, I to remember Tower, Tower Records. <laughs> uh, I went to Tower Records to pick out some music. And I'm, I'm going through the, the bands. And there are a couple of young girls look like they're middle schoolers, you know, eighth grade, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the aisle across, like in the bins facing the bins I'm doing, and I'm going through and they're going, and one of them pulls out an album and goes, look, Betty, Paul McCartney was in a band before wings. <laughs> oh, pain, pain. <laughs> and that was one of my first, I think I'm feeling older now, but, you know, this is, this is, but you know, but these, these girls, these girls were, if, if they were alive, were in diapers when the band broke up. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was, it, there was, um, um, and, and it is very, it, it, it's, it's difficult for anyone who didn't live through it to understand what it was like. It's sort of like, where were you when John F. Kennedy was killed? Okay, I was in the, the high school cafeteria, actually. Uh, uh, and that's another wonderful story that I'll tell some other time. But you know, there's other that was back in the day when there was real news on the radio and the television uh, didn't have cable back in 1963. But uh, now we have a really weird mainstream media. Uh, but apparently <laughs> there's been some personnel changes. Yeah. And it's, Stacey, that's your cue. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, you you had an item about change coming to Twitter. Yeah. But, uh, but do you want to do, well, do you want to get to the big news well, today? Well, change is coming to tw uh, to Twitter. Uh, yes, mm. uh, we we we. It's probably getting worse. Uh, Jack yes. Jack uh, quit as CEO, and immediately the stock went up. Yeah, yeah, but, Jack yeah. Dorsey. But their uh, their their new uh, uh, CEO started this new thing about uh, uh, people's images and that sort of stuff, and you had to have permission to show somebody's picture and this sort of thing. And it was aimed specifically at one person, right? Andy No. 
Right. And, but the thing, it, but the thing is, is it turns out, uh, uh, instead of the left wingers uh, using that, the, a bunch of right wingers have used it to shut down left wing accounts. <laughs> so, so now they're reevaluating the, uh, the yeah. thing. The best defense is a good offense. offense. So. It always is. Yes. Meanwhile, on the cable news. Okay. So, well, the news broke today. The news broke today. That Fredo should not go fishing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a bad day for Fredo Cuomo. Mm -hmm. um, uh, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo has been terminated by the network. Now, early uh, last week it was announced that he would be suspended. Um, but uh, the CNN just issued a statement. Chris Cuomo was suspended earlier this week, pending further evaluation of new information that came to light about his involvement with his brother's defense. We retained CNN says a respected law firm to conduct the review and have terminated him effectively immediately. While in the process of that review, additional information has come to light. Ooh, we don't know what this is, but they say, despite the termination, we will investigate as appropriate. Now, if you don't know what happened to Chris Cuomo, his brother, Andrew oh. Cuomo, um, was governor of New York, and there was a sexual harassment scandal. Several women who had worked with uh, Andrew, Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, came forward to accuse him of sketchy behavior, I guess is the best way to... Uh, well, it's interesting, though, that, you know, now that they're, uh, they're investigating further, saying that other stuff had happened, I was just noticing that Matt Lauer was unavailable for comment. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. No, yeah. this is, this is just bed classic. I've been, it was, it's the whole Breitbart thing where, you know, drip, wait for the denials and the, and the new narrative to grow up and then drip. <laughs> it's yeah, been classic. Yeah. Watching. Well, well, I suspect that the, we'll see some, uh, some censorship uh, uh, of the coverage of this story. And, and, you know, um, there was a, 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 a post on Gab uh, that I saw, mm -hmm. uh, I guess it was yesterday, uh, from Cheryl Atkinson. Mm -hmm. Basically, Orwellian Facebook censorship strikes again is, is her uh, uh, <laughs> title of her Gab and also the post it links to. Apparently, she has been uh, temporarily suspended from Facebook. Again. Yes, because uh, she posted an accurate quote from a historical mm -hmm. figure. Yep. And she's being she notes in her post that she's being punished while certain Facebook users are routinely allowed to post false information without any uh, consequences. And she ref mm. she referred to it as Orwellian censorship. And I think this is one of those times where she nailed it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, go or Orwellian and big. And they're, they're talking about Big Brother and the Ministry of Truth and Ministry of Love and that sort of stuff. But in this case, yeah, this is Orwellian. Facebook mm -hmm. is Orwellian because they are really strictly hewing to the, uh, the rule, the principle that all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Mm-hmm. 
And the uh, pigs are walking around on two feet, and you can't tell the difference. Yes. But uh, meanwhile, though, uh, we are seeing blue on blue uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 behavior <laughs> uh, to the point where uh, you had a post, Stacey, about Instapundit uh, the, talking about socialists, bad-mouthing socialists. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Reynolds, Instapundit, uh, beloved by all linked to and quoted a critique of the underhanded journalism and bogus history behind the New York Times 1619 project. So I, follow, I clicked the link and was shocked to find myself at the World Socialist website, a platform of the Trotskyite Fourth mm -hmm. International. Now, uh, many of our audience may not get this, okay, uh. that that the Trotskyites were dissidents in the Soviet era um, against Stalin. And uh, so, so... And so, they've had some interesting people, such as Christopher Hitchens, come and go through their uh, organization. Yeah. 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 Anyways, but I, I was, I was shocked, shocked um, <laughs> uh, by this... Uh, you know, by uh, this this guy who who at the end of talking about what's wrong with the New York Times 1619 project, the racialism involved, um, brings it down to a part where he starts citing Marx and mm -hmm. Engels and uh, even gets so far as to quote Rosa Luxemburg. Hang on mm -hmm. a second here. You, you you guys talk for a minute. Oh, okay. Uh, what's exciting? Okay, well, uh, in case you don't know who Rosa Luxemburg is, um, she's fairly important. She's a very major intellectual influence in the pre-1917 revolution, uh, that, that whole big, that whole give and take that was going on. Rosa was very much opposed to Lenin, Curiously, um, she and uh, Karl Liebknecht were the found themselves right alongside Lenin in being absolutely opposed to the First World War, when most socialist parties in every country voted to support their country's war effort. Um, Post World War One, Rosa Luxemburg was arrested and was murdered during one of the multiple pushes putches going on in Germany. Now, now, so that's now, a, now, that's now. a short the, the, history. The, the the putting down uh, they attempted a uh, a uh, sort of a German communist revolution in Berlin Not that was uh, really what? Not really. They just look. They looked at the Weimar Republic and said that this is idiotic and it's not going to work. I mean, there's a lot going on there. There's, she was um, against democracy. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. She's, no, man. actually, that's not quite true. Rosa was more in favor of democracy, but she tended to go along with, but she figured in this case, maybe they had a chance. I think she was an idiot on this. But in January 1919, Rosa mm -hmm. Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht uh, mm -hmm. were, were captured by the Free Corps. Well, uh, and I believe they were executed, basically. <laughs> 
they had been kept they had been kept in prison in a prison for some weeks and they were never tri- given any kind of a trial there was oh. no danger at that point there was they look they were in the wrong but if they'd been, received a proper trial and been imprisoned or executed either one would have been fine in this case they were murdered and dumped in the canal come on well, well, I mean, you know, know, neither, you know, neither I, side was exactly uh, clean hands. And, dead and, and yes. commies. <laughs> I <laughs> know, know, I know. I don't dead expect commies. me to mourn dead commies. Well, okay? on the other, yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, uh, this have, having commies shoot at, at uh, national socialists sometimes can okay. be to our advantage, and and having uh, fascists can uh, they shoot both at, lose? Uh, <laughs> well, that's just it, and having fascists shoot at. Uh, the uh, communists uh, can sometimes be to our well, any, but you anyways, know what is anyways they're, but you know what is really to uh, our, Rosa Luxemburg is a good communist the only kind she of is a good dead communist, communist but therefore. you know what is what I'll, but let's 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 get our economics straight okay do you know <laughs> what is to our actual advantage personally and that's <laughs> capitalism and in that case I'm going to give you your cue to talk about the yellow button. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, you will notice near the top of the center column, the yellow button with the word donate on it. If you will click the yellow donate button, it will take you to my PayPal account where you can contribute to the support of the blog and the podcast and most importantly, to keep my wife happy. That's job number one for me. By the way, uh, in terms of rattling the tip jar here, let me uh, let me tell you that I've got a new computer. This was Ooh. not something that I had planned, but my old computer died on Friday, and I took it to four different places trying to get it repaired until finally the tattooed facial pierce tech looked at me sadly and said, can't help you. Okay. They, they, it was fried. It was, it was, it was toast. And so I had to go and pay 350 bucks for a new laptop. And I'm, I'm, um, and, and, and I, when I called my wife to tell her the situation, she said, well, I was going to give you a laptop, for, a new laptop for Christmas. I said, well, Merry Christmas. So, <laughs> So anyways, ho, ho, ho. But uh, yes, click the yellow button to contribute to my PayPal account. Meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hogwash.com. Oh, I've had some nice support in the years, and I'm very thankful for it. And if you uh, look at the sidebar at uh, hogwash, you'll see a icon of a tip jar. Click on it, be taken away to my PayPal account where you can help support Either this uh, blog, either the blog or this podcast, or you can do your Christmas shopping through the Amazon link there, or the links at uh, the other McCain. We both participate in the Amazon affiliates program, and uh, when you use those links at a blog, the blogger gets a little cut of the action, and you pay the same price. It's just something actually nice that uh, gets done um, on uh, the. Uh, it gets uh, done nice by Amazon. Or you can do your Christmas shopping for the stock, stocking. Well, I, I used to be a radio announcer. Stocking stuffers 
at uh, the Hogwash uh, store. That's a great place to waste your money. Regardless mm-hmm. of how you choose to support us, please remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit the freaking tip jar. Indeed. And we'll be very thankful for it. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need to finish up this commie. We thing. sure do because you've got some really great stuff in this. Go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say I'm looking at uh, uh, your uh, uh, page here and we've got the yellow button right next to uh, that headline about uh, the uh, Instapundit and the comics. Going socialist. Anyways, mm-hmm. but but he goes on and he talks about the Marxist theory uh, of uh, the basis of Marxist theory, if you don't realize it, is mm-hmm. what he calls the materialist conception of history. And I have a problem with this in that Mm -hmm. I do not believe, as the Marxist believes, that this materialist conception of history uh, just was a, as as they would think it, a a a step forward, a a uh, scientific discovery. You know, that's that's the one thing is people don't understand that there were lots of socialists around before Karl Marx came oh, along. Yeah. But he declared that his... Um, scientific socialism. It was, was one scientific of socialism. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, hold it. But let's, let's, just, let's just take it there. The scientific method says you come up with a hypothesis, you run an experiment... And that tells you uh, whether you need to reject the hypothesis or not. And the 20th century was the experiment, and I reject the hypothesis. Yes. Uh, yeah, Marxism me too. 125 is million is enough. Yeah, Marxism is the deadliest idea in human history, having caused yep. about 100 million deaths in the 20th century. And the point I make is that Marxist... Marxism began with the idea of violent revolution. But, you know, here's mm-hmm. where you're missing the boat on, uh, on the body count. Mm. What people don't understand is national socialism and fascism and phalangism are also Marxist theories. Uh, they happen to be what uh, some of the Marxists say the, are the right wing of Marxism, but they're still Marxism. So you need to add in uh, the body count from Mussolini, mm-hmm. Hitler, Franco, and Peron, and some Pol others. Pol Pot and Mao and... <laughs> what, well, okay. if, you, if you want to get to what inspired Marxism, what really inspired Marxism was a love of the French Revolution, okay? Mm -hmm. Karl Marx was German, and the Germans had a bad case of revolution envy, okay? Uh, That's really what it was, is that the French... And they blew it in 1848 big time. The French had had their own revolution, right? And... And it gave rise to terrorism, what the first mm-hmm. you know, real case of terrorism in history, politically mm-hmm. motivated terrorism organized um, in, in what was called the Reign of Terror. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, thousands of people were, were, were killed uh, mm-hmm. as a result. 
And they fell in love, Marxists fell in love with this idea of wielding the force of revolutionary terror. If you go mm -hmm. and read Lenin, uh, mm -hmm. that's Vladimir Lenin, by the way. Not John? <laughs> not John Lenin, no. But if you not read, Groucho Marx? <laughs> if you read Vladimir <laughs> Lenin, uh, you'll, he advocates, uh, and, and mm -hmm. so also did Trotsky, who was, mm -hmm. by the way, the leader of the Red Army during mm -hmm. the Russian Civil War brought, that followed the Bolshevik Revolution. Mm -hmm. And this idea of, of uh, terrorizing the population using mm -hmm. revolutionary terror was was central to the whole idea of Marxist-Leninist thought. And it, it's yep. something that, that Marx never uh, disavowed, that Engels never disavowed. Uh, uh, none of them ever disavowed this idea of terror and this idea of what they called the dictatorship of the proletariat. Well, Trotskyists, okay, have this idea that this was possible without gulags or secret police or summary nope. executions, and you can't do it. Nope. Uh, no, but you can. They were doing it under Lenin, for heaven's sake. But, 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 but if you take a Marxist approach to running a society, you can wind up with a kind of reign of terror, even mm -hmm. without this. And all you have to do to see what I'm talking about is go to cities like Philadelphia. Ah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Oh, so it's time for Philadelphia, huh? Well, or Portland, or Seattle, or anything else. But you did do a piece about uh, the DA Baltimore, in Baltimore, <laughs> Oakland. No, yeah. Okay. So, so San anyway, Francisco now. In Philadelphia, uh, I had this uh, headline yesterday. I believe it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, the district attorney turned loose a teenage carjacker who murdered a Marxist student. Uh, this involved 17-year-old Latif Williams, uh, who had already racked up an impressive criminal record before he was arrested this week for murder. Philadelphia. Uh, by the way, I, I borrowed that term from my good friend uh, Dana Pico, who blogs at... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the First Street Journal, but uh, Dana Pico calls it, started calling it Philadelphia because they have already this year eclipsed their all-time record annual murder total of more than 500 murders now. Uh. Last year, Philadelphia saw an 80% increase in carjackings. And Latif Williams uh, was arrested in August of this year and charged with eight crimes in connection with an armed carjacking, including aggravated assault, robbery, conspiracy, and possession of an unlicensed gun. 17 years old. He was first arrested, by the way, at age 13 for robbing a college student on the Temple University campus. Okay, so the, the city has a progressive district attorney funded by George Soros, by the way, of named course. Larry Krasner. And Krasner has a policy of turning loose criminals, which is how it happened 
that uh, Latif Williams was turned loose and now has been accused of fatally shooting 21-year-old Samuel Collington uh, in an apparent robbery near the North Philadelphia campus of Temple University. Uh, he was returning from Thanksgiving, was Collington, at his family's home and was unloading his things from his mom's SUV uh, when uh, Latif Williams shows up. Uh, a struggle ensued and <sighs> Collington was shot in the chest in the back. Uh, he died. He was a political science major who was set to graduate from Temple University in just weeks. Well, there's a little bit of irony here. Quote, Collington was passionate about social justice issues and racial and income equality, friends said. He was the president of the Political Science Society for the last year and an officer of the college Democrats. In the past, he had canvassed for Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. A friend of Collington's, Douglas Leak, described his friend as a devout Marxist who would not want his death to be used to push any sort of right-wing pro-police agenda, such as stop and frisk. Quote, we must not let this travesty spawn oppression of any kind. I will never stop defending his legacy of radical justice, peace, and equality. See, here's the thing about... (laughs) But there's a problem with this. Go on, John. Well, well, I mean, just look, if you're going to be a Marxist, the only way you're going to work it, make it work is with a police state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're going to start a police state, wouldn't you try to get the cops on your side? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, don't forget that the Soviets had the socially friendly elements, otherwise known as the thieves. Yes. They yeah, used yeah. them well, to beat up know, the politicals. Yeah. Stalin uh, was a bank robber before he was a, yeah, I mean. Yes, you know, he before, was. Yeah. They, they funded, they used bank robbery to mm-hmm. fund their. Um, um, Expropriations, they called expropriation, them. Expropriation, yes, yes as well, they called it. Well, you know, political smash and grab, is, though, is in, in style these days, particularly with the Democrats. <laughs> uh, you know, the Democrats, though, have managed to build a majority. But it's a majority of voters, according to Rasmussen and other pollsters, who oppose Build Back Better. Uh, as a tax and spend scam. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I guess it's been since the first of the year I've been writing about the Democrats really being in a state of panic because Mm -hmm. they just had this incredibly bad but unexpectedly bad performance on everything down ballot from uh, the president. They Mm -hmm. uh, almost lost the House. They Mm -hmm. didn't really get control of the Senate. Um, and so you've had the, their wish list is just blocked, uh, in Congress. And so the Biden administration is promulgating all sorts of lawless regulations. Um, <sighs> and, but fortunately, and we'll get to this in a little while, the courts have, uh, uh, seem to still be in the business of upholding laws in the constitution. 
Uh, and at the state and local level, you've got idiots like this DA in Philadelphia. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have their overreach over the past couple of years at the lo- state and local level uh, on a range of issues from uh, COVID lockdowns to school curriculum to letting people run riot in the streets, beginning to meet with serious uh, popular resistance. And if you don't believe oh, yeah. me, talk to a Democrat in from Virginia. Um, economic reality is really kind of setting in, though, and, you know, Margaret Thatcher's corollary to the laws of thermodynamics is really <laughs> starting to bite the uh, Democrats on the ass. Um, by the way, for those of you who don't know that, uh, uh, Thatcher famously noted that the problem with socialism is that it always runs out of other Eventually. people's money. Mm-hmm. You know? Eventually, you run out of other people's <laughs> money. Right. Uh, speaking of which, by the way. Yes. Uh, final score, mm-hmm. Alabama 41, Georgia 24. Well, I ought to make you buy supper tonight in celebration. Uh, uh, anyway, hey, thanks. you know, I had, a, I had a friend yeah. since I'm in Georgia who pointed out uh, gently, very gently, that uh, Georgia hasn't won a national championship in so long that it's kind of embarrassing. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks. The, the, just like uh, things are uglier for Georgia football team, things are going to get uglier all over. Uh, mm. And not just because of who's running for governor in Georgia now. Um, I No, I expect we're going to have a real flurry of activity from the Democrats uh, between now and the 2022 elections that just going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be excessively weird. On the other hand. <laughs> it isn't as, already. <laughs> Oh, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, on the other hey, hand, Stacey, we isn't did... there a good uh, Hunter Thompson quote for that? Yeah, it, when when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Yes, indeed. correct. Uh, I've already retired, though. <laughs> I'm, I've had my weird weirdness already. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I I did enjoy writing about the the courts this week. And probably the easiest way to go through uh, the way they were dealing with lawlessness uh, uh, by the Biden administration is just to kind of take the decisions in order. Um, On the uh, evening of the 29th, uh, a decision came out from uh, Federal District Judge Matthew uh, Schelp. He issued an order in the Missouri at all versus Biden at all case. And it's Missouri and nine other states suing Biden um, uh, uh, and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And mm-hmm. to cut to the chase, the in- order ends, it is hereby ordered that defendants are preliminarily enjoined from the implementation and enforcement of, and then it's all the, the stuff related to uh, the Medicare and Medicaid programs, omnibus uh, COVID-19 healthcare staff vaccination mandate. And uh, in any way, they, they're, they're enjoined from um, enforcing it against any and all Medicare and Medicaid certified providers and suppliers within the states of Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota and Wyoming pending a trial on the merits of this action or until further order from this court. Defendants shall immediately cease all implementation and enforcement of the interim final rule with 
comment period as to any Medicare or Medicaid certified providers uh, and suppliers. And then it, then it lists the 10 states again. And I was going, well, everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. And then the next day, another one bites the dust. Um, uh, the U.S. District Court uh, in Kentucky, which is handling a suit uh, uh, by the states of Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee against the federal government. Uh, basically, uh, the government is enjoined from enforcing the van vaccine mandate for federal contractors and subcontractors and all covered contracts in Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee. And basically each of the states has some agency that's a federal contractor, so that gave them grounds to sue. And But they made it a class action suit on the grounds of every federal contractor or subcontractor in, in those states. So, you know, that was nice, although my... Uh, federal contract is based in Maryland. So it didn't help me specifically, but there was a second bite of the dust for the centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, the, uh, on uh, the next day, on the 30th of November, uh, a judge in Louisiana uh, handle, handling a case with Louisiana and several other states suing over the same thing said, oh, let's go for broke. Uh, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, along with their directors, employees, administrators, and secretaries, are hereby enjoined and restrained from implementing the mandate. Uh, a big, long description of it here. As to all health care providers, suppliers, owners, employees, and all others covered uh, by uh, said CMS mandate. And basically, so it basically he said, you know, those first 10 states add another 40. And so basically some things are, were proceeding even better than I had foreseen. And we're seeing the courts really getting in and saying no to uh, the Biden administration on these bogus mm -hmm. regulations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is, this is good. But the really good case was in the Supreme court. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you know, is that this idea that um, uh, anything that would, um, you know, this idea, and Joe Biden has directly done the opposite of what he promised oh, during yes. the campaign. Well, his lips were moving. Right, right. I mean, I mean, but he he said he said no. He didn't think a mandate that mandating the va vaccine uh, would would be a good idea, and he's done the exact opposite. Well, of he what admitted he's that it was unconstitutional and did it anyway. And did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it, a part of what is going on here uh, is that. We have a Democrat problem in this country. Uh, and by that, I mean that if you will start breaking down poll numbers, if you will look where they divide Republicans from Democrats and independents, what you will notice is that increasingly independent voters are lining up on the Republican side of most public opinion questions leaving the Democrats out there in their own little bubble. 
Uh, and and well, not only that, but you're starting to see the Democrats fractionate. Mm-hmm. Well, but but the thing is that is that Democratic voters are have have are tuned into fear porn. Uh, the coverage <laughs> yeah. of the coverage of this pandemic has mm-hmm. been uh, it, it has been all about fear. Yeah, but look, the pandemic is worse in blue states and blue cities. Crime is worse in blue states and blue cities. And so obviously, you know, why if you are there, why not be afraid? Right. Well, I mean, I mean, but but what I'm what I'm trying to get across what what I'm trying to get across is that there is that the political division in this country Mm -hmm. is not caused, as the liberal media would have you believe, it's not caused by right wingers becoming more extreme. Conservatives uh, now are no more extreme than they were in 1980 or 1988 or or you know. 1994 any other time that you know the conservatives haven't changed what has what has changed is that the liberal media are are now so in the tank for democrats and they don't mm-hmm. even you know and, and this situation with uh chris cuomo right mm-hmm. uh, yeah. how could he how could that have been he thought that was okay well they're in a bubble they're in a bubble he didn't think Everyone, it was okay he thought he could get away with it Right, right, right. And they've been getting away with it, right? The mm-hmm. whole Russia yes. hoax, for example, the Steele dossier and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're actually trying to defend that even now. Even now, they're trying to claim. The New York Times has got a FOA, Freedom uh, of Information Act uh, th- thing, to get in the revised version of the Mueller report. It, it, I mean, I mean I think there was, I forgot who it was. I think it was Ed Driscoll said, yeah, they're going to have box sets. and <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and they're just, and, and they, they uh, have lost their freaking minds. And, mm-hmm. and this thing with the, the vaccine, um, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Matt Taibbi, but it may have also mm-hmm. been Glean. Yeah. I think it was Matt Taibbi. Who, who referred to it as the vaccine cult. Okay. The mm-hmm. idea that the only thing we can talk about in regard to COVID is you must get the vaccine. You must get the vaccine. I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. Diana, you vaccinated? I'm vaccinated and I'm okay. kind of annoyed because it doesn't work. <laughs> well, well, right, right, right. But but nothing else in terms of, of, of when they tried to in Florida, uh, what is it that mono what what are those monoclonal things? antibody infusion, right. yeah. Right. Uh, when when uh, Governor DeSantis uh, started uh, promoting these antibody um, treatments, right? You can't even talk about treatment because mm-hmm. if you say that the disease can be treated, right, it will discourage vaccination. That's the that's the argument that's coming out. Well, yes, but I mean they they've all got their memos from Chairman Omicron. Right, right, right. <laughs> and this Omicron variant. Thank you, thank you very much for bringing that up because because. Turns uh, out it's a mild cold, according to the South Africans. Right, yes. right, right. It's not even a severe. Uh, it, you know, it, it apparently doesn't even cause severe symptoms, and yet, uh, you know, the but the, it may cause, but it may cause immunity. 
yeah. yeah. Anyway, so you know that that's just part of the that's just part of the 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 nonsense. Meanwhile, though, I had a chance to listen to the Supremes uh, uh, on the uh, Mississippi case, the Dobbs v. Uh, Jackson Women's Health, and you know, I was actually somewhat encouraged by what I heard. Uh, mm. Justice Thomas posed two questions, which I don't think ever properly got answered either by uh, the attorney for uh, Jackson's Women's Health or for, by the Solicitor General uh, of the United States who were arguing against the Mississippi law. Uh, mm. Thomas um, first wanted to know where is the right to abortion found in the Constitution? <laughs> he said, if this is a Second Amendment case or Fourth Amendment case. I know where to go read what we're talking about. Can you show me what we're talking about in the Constitution? <laughs> Dead air. Yeah. Whoops. And then the second, he brought up a South Carolina case that had gotten to the Supreme Court uh, mm. where uh, a woman who had taken uh, crack mm. after uh, taking crack uh, had caused a birth defect in her uh, child uh, because she took the crack while she was pregnant, uh, although it, it, she did it far enough along that it was after the viability thing. And South Carolina uh, prosecuted her for child abuse. Mm. His question was, if she'd taken it before viability, could she have been prosecuted for child abuse. And the, there wasn't a real good answer for that either. On the other hand, Justice Sotomayor went on this really weird thing of uh, trying to defend, uh, I'm not sure what, but comparing a child in utero uh, recoiling from uh, pain uh, as a, like a dead person you know, might uh, re brain dead. react. Brain, brain dead, dead person, person, <laughs> brain dead person might react. Well, actually, even dead people, you know, frogs in the lab, uh, that's the, uh, the, 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 the Volta thing with uh, mm -hmm. muscles twitching. Um, but, you know, it, it's pretty clear how Justices Thomas and Alito and Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor are going to vote. Based on what I heard, though, uh, I'm pretty sure the remaining – just four justices are going to vote with Thomas and Alito to put an end to Roe v. Wade. I'm not sure, though. Um, I, I, the best guess I've, I could make is, is it's going to be a, a five to one to three decision. By that, I mean they're going to be five to put down Roe and Casey, and there'll be one, and probably Roberts, who'll vote to just do away with Casey, but he'll come up, he'll, it'll still be a six to three decision because he'll, he'll support the thing in judgment. But, uh, you know, you know people, speaking of how crazy liberals have become, mm -hmm. is it, is it, uh, uh, I, I, um, uh, what's his name? Colbert, Stephen Colbert mm -hmm. went on a rant about how how somehow this is an attack democracy is under threat i hope so no but <laughs> well, we're a republic not a democracy no, so. we're no, a but republic the, but the but the point is is that the 
Roe v. Wade was anti-democratic in the extreme. A, an, an unelected court, mm-hmm. okay, uh, voted to overturn the laws of 49 states, okay, mm-hmm. to just strike down the laws and substitute for it, uh, basically to take what was then New York's state law, which had re- only recently uh, passed that they had, quote unquote, reformed uh, abortion law in New York and imposed that on the rest of the country. And it was it was crazy, you know, and, but but the problem with this and, and, and you cannot even talk to liberals about this, you know, to explain that striking down Roe v. Wade, if that's what the court were to do, would merely return it to the state legislatures. So if you've got an issue with abortion, just take it up with your state legislature. Well, yeah, but she might not be able to win there. But anyway. Mm. But, oh, no. <laughs> look, it, things, look, things are coming apart at the seams, and everybody mm-hmm. thinks so. But uh, there's a wonderful Heinlein story called <laughs> The Year of the Jackpot. <laughs> Um, and um, it's about uh, a statistician who notices all sorts of craziness beginning to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Incidentally, it's set in Los Angeles initially, so mm-hmm. that tells you something. But anyway, um, the, the character's name is Potiphar, Potiphar Breen. Breen. <laughs> and I, I, had a, I had a post that starts out, paging Potiphar Breen, Potiphar Breen to the white courtesy phone, please. And there's a New York Post tweet then following that about a woman caught breastfeeding her hairless cat on a Delta flight. <laughs> that is just too weird to believe. I mean, what on earth? A, a cat have, I mean, you know what cat's mouths are like. They're, they're When they, they gnaw on your finger, they've got little hypodermic needles for teeth. I can't imagine a woman Ow. doing that to her breast. No, yeah. I can't Cats. Cats. Uh, you know, cat ladies. What are you going to do with them? But well, a hairless, speaking of first crazy of all, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was our first crazy uh, person. That was, person was weird, but we've got a crazy person who's dangerous. Yes. Uh, the perpetrator of the Waukesha massacre, while we were, uh, while we were out of town... Uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, the Christmas uh, parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, got plowed into uh, by Daryl Brooks, 39 years old. Turns out that Daryl Brooks has a very extensive criminal record dating back to when he was 17 years old. Daryl Brooks Mm -hmm. is the guy that that killed six people, injured dozens other uh, in in this small town, small city, I should say, of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Well, he's from uh, Milwaukee, and he had um, been very recently... Uh, released from jail on a bond of on a bail of a thousand dollars for for a crime where he had oh wait tried to run over his girlfriend 
uh, or ex girlfriend. <laughs> yes, well, ex girlfriend. I, I, was she ex before or after he tried to run her over? Is the question before, but, evidently. <laughs> but I set up this timeline: July twenty twenty, Brooks fires a gun at his nephew in Milwaukee. February twenty twenty one, Brooks is released on five hundred dollars bail. May 2021, he's arrested for battery in Georgia. Uh, Mm -hmm. November 2nd, runs over his girlfriend in Milwaukee. And then on November 19th, released on $1,000 bail. And, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? If we can't lock these people up, because by the way, what, you know, they're, they're going to say, some people are trying to say that this was terrorism, that this was racially motivated because there are things on his social media profiles where he's, uh, you know, black lives matter and this, that, and the other. Uh, but in fact, I, I think that he was mentally ill. Uh, <laughs> He, he has been. I uh, think he's just. I just think he's a bad person. Yeah, he doesn't well, get above uh, sex, food, and uh, howling anger because he's an inadequate human being. Well, yes. Anyways, um, but um, uh, hang on a second. I just want to check something. I'm going to check something, and and he's a bad person. You say? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was pimping out a 16-year-old girl. Oh, I had forgotten about him pimping out a teenager. Yes. Well, anyways, in um hang on a second. Let me tell you that uh uh in the uh 2000 uh 2020 election, he's from Milwaukee. Yeah, right? Well, mm-hmm. In Milwaukee County, Joe Biden got 69% of the vote. So mm. I'm pretty sure he's a Democrat. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't look like a Republican to me. I'm just saying, you know, he doesn't look like a Trump voter to me. So these crazy people are dangerous in part because they elect Democrats. You and, think? <laughs> and that yeah, puts think. everyone in danger. So, Very uh, much so. But anyways, I hear the uh, boogie-woogie piano in the background, which reminds me that we are coming uh, to the conclusion of this week's program. And we will be back here uh, next Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you want to listen live, you can always download the podcast. Uh, But uh, we will be back. And and by the way, uh, Roll Tide, I've got to say that very important and on monday of course go pets go pats i'm sorry patriots <laughs> go pets okay pets pats pats anyways i'm, I'm new at this pro football thing well, well have a fun with it stacy meanwhile i'm gonna uh, push the slider up here in a minute the music's gonna get louder because we're just about to the end of the show we'll see you next week thanks for coming with us diana anytime bye Good y'all see you.
Christmas breeze. 